Hello and welcome to This Sacred Life. I'm Shan Vanderleek, Transformation Goddess and founder of TransformationGoddess.com and This Sacred Life. I love guiding women through an intimate exploration of self-study, compassionate self-care, and sacred feminine ritual. I also love sharing transformational conversations with women who've learned to walk in beauty with the strength, courage, and pleasure of claiming their feminine sovereignty. Women all over the world are rising up to have their voices heard, and I invite you to join us in the conversation. Today, it's my honor to share a conversation with Danielle Dulski. If you've been listening to The Sacred Life or been a part of the Transformation Goddess Circle for any time, you know that Danielle and I have talked a number of times about her various books and through the Goddess Talk sessions, and so it's wonderful to have her back. Danielle is a heathen visionary, painter, and word witch, the author of Seasons of Moon and Flame, Woman Most Wild, and the Holy Wild. She teaches internationally and has facilitated circles, embodiment trainings, communal spell work, and seasonal rituals since 2007. She is the founder of the Hag School and believes in the emerging power of wild collectives and sudden circles of curious dreamers, cunning witches, and rebellious artists in healing our ailing world. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me, Shan. It's great to be with you again today. And I must say, of the three books that I've read of yours, I must admit, Season of Moon and Flame is at the top of the list, and I love all three. But I <laughs> Thank really, you so really much. love it, love it, love it. So congratulations <laughs> on your third book. Thank you. Yes, very exciting. When there's a there's a new book and, and you know it's the first couple of weeks that it's out, there's such a gratitude and grief simultaneously. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's not just mine anymore. Right. Now other people are reading it, but it's really exciting. And it is just this labor of love. It is, it is. It's giving birth to this beautiful piece of work and now being in this place of celebration. Before we came together today, I uh, went to the uh, Sacred Rebels Goddess Cards by Alana Fairchild, I, one of my favorite decks, and it just seemed like yeah, right, it's so right, good. the right fit for us today, and Receiving came up, and I thought, yeah. that's so cool, and I, I'd like to know what you think about that card rising to the top of the deck for our conversation today. Yeah, that's so perfect, Receiving. I think that you know, that is one of the the core values of the new book is is being receptive, especially to the the smaller stories, the stories that might not seem particularly profound with, you know, battlefields and <laughs> so, swords raised, but being able to receive them is just as epic and important, you know, even if they seem kind of mundane. So yeah, receiving, that's perfect. If you will humor me, I would love for you to read the Hag song for us yeah. before we get started, because I just love it so much. It was such a great way to, to open Season of Moon and Flame. Thank you. Yes, uh, I love that poem. I will absolutely read it for you. The Hag song. I fell into sleep and dreamt of a hag. She leapt like a youth and crouched on a crag. 
I know you, I said. Her face was my own. I'll show you, I said, and I ran for that crone. Just look, I am you, you wild bone thing. She shook and turned blue and then started to sing. Her prayer was so old, bewailing the trees, a keening so bold for rough times like these. I licked a tear from her eye and the salt from her hair. Then she was I, her hymn mine to share. My bones, how they ached, but my songs were so rich. My voice, how it quaked with the howl of that witch. I sang for the elders, the dead, and the snow. I moaned for the yew trees, the wolf, and the crow. In time, I grew soft, a soul sopped in song. A kalyak lost in a rhyme gone too long. I woke in the dark, nudged up by a ghost. The song left its mark, but that hag I loved most. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. One of the things that I enjoyed so far about digging in to your book is, you know, the stories of your own ancestors, about yeah, your own experiences, and how they invited me to do the same. To mm-hmm. think about my grandma Luzina that I never met, but the stories, all oh, the stories. Of a, yeah. of a woman with her shotgun going to camp where the men were hunting and where women who were not their wives did not belong. And she mm. let everybody know it. And from my grandmother, Julie, and the way that she took a care of, of this large Lithuanian family and was very quiet off in the distance doing her mm. magic um, or my grandma Jeannie and her motorcycle and the way she <laughs> jump in the pool and buy me those velvet or black felt paintings. Oh yeah. Talking about. Okay. So I, I do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and she would paint with me and swim with me and take me for rides on her motorcycle. So anyway, your book. Um, and, and I know it's so much bigger than just my stories of, but it was such a beautiful way for me to get back in and reconnect with these women with the mm. of you know of my story right yeah yeah that's it these hags that have been with us and raised us or maybe we just heard their stories <laughs> when you think about them and you tell them to somebody else then they become epic <laughs> but right? when they're just kind of sitting in your memory they seem really uh, almost too familiar or something to be magical, but then when you when you articulate them like that, it's like, yeah, your grandma with her shotgun—that's amazing. On, on the motorcycle, that's amazing. Not everybody right. has that, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Throughout the book, you have hag lessons, which is mm-hmm. one, just one of many of my favorite parts. And and lesson number one that you share is, as we're talking about stories, is that the best stories are not heard, but met. Right. Share with yeah. You. Yeah. I think, you know, as, as a storyteller, you become very attuned to how you can tell almost exactly the same story and it changes depending on who's listening to it. So there's this, this kind of liminal space or, or magical meeting place between the story itself, the words that you're speaking, and then the listener and the way that it's received. And it's hard to 
it's hard to articulate that really, like what, what that actually feels like. But, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the words that you speak can be almost exactly the same, but the story will feel completely different depending on who is meeting it. And so that's one of the few hag lessons that are in the book that I do think was given to me in not so many words by my own grandmother because her stories, and I share this in the prologue in the book, I feel like I didn't really hear or, or maybe I did hear, but I didn't really understand her stories until after my grandfather died. Like she really changed for you know the last 15 years or so that I knew her and she she died in 2015 where her stories just became these like epic tales that were from a novel or something and it was like had she ever told me that before because I don't remember that and she would she shared about how like she eloped with my grandfather because her mother-in-law my grandfather's mother was going to like not sign off on the marriage and they were too young so they took off to North Carolina where it was legal to get married <laughs> and they were like these 17 year old kids and I thought wow I never knew that before so yeah the best stories being met and even even like on any given day you can kind of change the way you meet the story which I think we all know if we watch a movie from our childhood or something now, it's like, well, either, either that movie's way better than I remember it being or that movie's way worse than I remember it being. Meeting the stories. And what a blessing to have those grandmothers in our lives, to have the experience of listening to their stories, to have the experience of, of learning more about them after they've gone. Mm-hmm. And then how they how they show up in us, how each of my grandmothers shows up through me or through my daughter or in mm-hmm. the teachings or in your book or uh, in a woman's circle or having gone through the grandmother's teachings and looking at right. different grandmother archetypes. And it's just it, the way that it comes full circle. And I remember a time when just hearing the word hag or crone. Mm-hmm kind of made me cringe like yeah that's and now it's so different now and I don't know if that's because because I'm getting older or because I'm getting wiser or because a hag hit me over the head with a two by four (laughs) (laughs) really you know what I mean but just like one of those one of those things things where you're just like oh this is where the gold is this is yeah this is how we continue becoming who we are. And yeah. 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 I was really privileged to study with Dr. Estes this summer. Oh, um, I remember reading about that. Yes. Tell us about this. Well, she, she said, well, she said lots of really amazing, profound things that I do quote constantly. I feel like my students are always like, oh, what did Dr. Estes say? <laughs> <laughs> But she said, she was talking about archetypal energy and how it doesn't really understand our human needs or it doesn't care about our human needs, something like that. And then she's talking about the archetype of the wild hag that she writes about in Women Who Run With the Wolves and how it being, you know, some somewhat feared or or of the human shadow, you know, these elements that that do make us cringe, that that's such a key point mm, <laughs> of, right. of the archetypal energy of the hag, that that's important. I say, I feel like I was born a hag. I don't know that the hag, ha, the word hag ever made me cringe, but I remember thinking about like 
the old witches that live in the woods with the hooked noses like Baba Yaga sure. or the Kalyak sure. and, and thinking like, I really want to be them someday. <laughs> 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 and I think it's uh, in the epilogue in the book, I'm talking about the stories that met me when I was little and how my favorite was like Hansel and Gretel and thinking about like that Baba Yaga figure that was in the woods and how she could easily eat you or help you. <laughs> right, whatever, whatever she felt like in that moment. Whatever she felt like doing. And I thought that's perfect. That's, you know, the hashtag life goals. <laughs> Before there were hashtags. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I love so much about Seasons of Moon and Flame is the way that you've laid it out, the way that you have story medicine and lessons and rituals and and the way that if I want to, I can just kind of flip through the book and land, um, mm-hmm. figure out what what is it that I'm looking for today? Do I, do I want a story? Do I want to dig into the dirt and make clay eggs? What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that. I'd Tell us a little bit more about the the layout and how your readers can uh, enjoy moving through this great new offering. So the book is laid out as if the reader is sort of journeying to visit the four houses of the sacred hags as they move around the wheel of the year. There's the garden hag in spring and the desert hag in summer, sea hag in autumn, and then lastly, the mountain hag in winter. And then it's looking at each lunar season or month as as really just as important as a longer solar season. Mm-hmm. So each chapter is essentially one of the 13 moons of the year. And what happens is the reader visits the hag and the hag shares a story in the beginning of each chapter. And then all of the rituals, spells and ceremonies and poetry are incantations are built off of that story and the lessons that the hag shares. And that whole idea came from these visits to my grandmother's house during like my late teenage and early 20s years where I say I say that she offers me like a meal and a bite and a little wisdom because <laughs> I would come into her house and of course she would feed me and then she would it would be a challenge you know she she she'd maybe share a story but there would be some way she would bite me where it was like what are you doing with your life anyway <laughs> or what are you doing with that guy? And then and it was always kind of surprising, whatever that bite was, you know, it was like, you know, she was some dark goddess or something, even though she was only four foot 10. And, <laughs> but there was so much love in it. And then after that would be the wisdom when, you know, there would be some kind of a life lesson. And it was like pretty predictable that my visits to her house would happen that way. Each solar season has three moons or three months in it. Mm-hmm. So in the book, the first moon of any season is the meal. So it's a little bit of nourishment. It's somewhat more lighthearted maybe than the other two moons of that season. The second moon is the moon of challenge, challenge which yes. is the bite. And then the final moon of the solar season is then the wisdom or the integration. So if we, you know, now as we're entering, in entering spring, 
we can feel that there's kind of that like excitement, that nourishment, like the first moon of any season is kind of like exciting, you know, whether it's the first cool breeze or the first warm breeze, there's like something where it's like, oh, it's happening. And then that second moon of any season for me is like, oh, now I'm here. (laughs) So now, (laughs) now, now what do I do? And then that last moon is the integration when you're starting to, you know, prepare for moving onto the next house or the next season. So that was where the idea for the layout came came from Plus, in the book. Really, really smart. Thank and you. It, it, and very easy to follow. And then and at the same time, also very easy, easy to just let go of the, what is normally a lin- the linear nature of, of mm. moving through a book and just allowing yourself to, to dig in and, and go where you want to go and into the magic and nature and creativity of of uh, yeah. on the page for sure. And so here we are on the equinox. I know that you, I know that you have a little bit to say about the equinox. I do. I have so much to say about the, the well, both equinoxes, but especially the vernal equinox in spring is, you know, we have just as much light and dark at the spring equinox as we do at the autumnal equinox. And yet in autumn we have like all of this social support for the dark. We have like the skulls in the stores and we have right. like, pr- preparations for Samhain or Halloween. And yet spring is really just as hard. Spring is just as gnarly. There's a lot of dark there. For me, spring is the season of ancestral healing. So in the book, there's a lot of discussion about what that means and, and uh, you know, lineage healing and maybe lineage forgiveness. And that's hard work. That's not easy. So in spring at the equinox, you know, we have the bunnies and the eggs and everything's pastel colored. And it's like, what about the darkness? Um, Because it is such a a difficult season. I think for a lot of people, it's the most difficult season, especially early spring. So equinox, just remembering it's a balance point of light and dark. And then my my go-to advice for my witchcraft students in spring is always to look to the creation myths of your ancestry. Because as metaphors for your manifestation magic, because if you look to the creation myths, you can see like how kind of violent and uh, unexpected and born of chaos (laughs) all of creation is. And that is kind of the way manifestation magic works. It's not always fluffy and easy. So, you know, looking at the creation myths is the, the best medicine this time of year. Yeah, it sure is. The, um, mainstream, wants everything to be soft and beautiful right. and, and that's just not not that there's anything wrong with soft and beautiful but that's just no. not the representation of of what's really going on in the world and mm-hmm. one of the reasons right one of the things that that I love about you and your work and the way that you show up is in one moment you are soft and tender and flowing through a yoga practice and the next mm. you're fierce and your face is painted and you're in the forest and <laughs> furs and we are fierce and mm-hmm. we are beautiful and we are soft mm-hmm. and we are not you know all of the things that I think that um, that's one of the things that I appreciate about what you bring forward and I'm sure that what your your students appreciate as well is to be able to see the full woman the all of you in in the way that you're so very transparent and willing to share yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think, you know, we're full of all of these 
contradictions and dualisms and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and our language kind of makes it hard to reconcile those because we're just so used to having, uh, you know, having to identify with this or that or, um, right. you know, and that isn't the way it is. We're, we're everything and nothing <laughs> at the same time. Right. Yeah. Right. How has your world changed as a witch, as a writer, as a creator, now that you uh, are married and in, <laughs> yeah, in partnership with your, with your sweetheart? Yeah. How has it changed? I don't know. Well, my witchcraft, I don't know if it has changed very much, but I, I am an Aquarian with an Aries moon. And I was told <laughs> by a psychic, uh, psychic medium when my first son was born. So he's at, he actually just turned 14 yesterday. And I was told when he was a baby that if I didn't surround myself with enough, with more water, with more water signs, that I was going to continually burn my world down. <laughs> and so, and so at that time I was married to a Capricorn, my first husband. And I was like, wow, I wonder what that means. And now that I am married to very easygoing Pisces and both ah. of my, both of my sons are Pisces also. So I am surrounded by water. By water. And, That's so cool. <laughs> and I don't really feel the need to burn my world down all the time anymore, which is great because it's exhausting to live that way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I do get bored very easily, but yeah, my husband's very easygoing and sees the world differently from me. So it's good. It's good yeah, to have that. Yeah. You can see, yeah. see the world through, uh, through his eyes a bit. And, and, oh, I just right. love that. I love that story. Yeah. I am a Sagittarian sun and Aquarian mm. moon, mm. but my ascending sign is Scorpio and I'm way more Scorpio than I am Sag. Right. And, uh, like way more. And mm -hmm. I didn't understand that for a really long time until I started digging into astrology and it was like, oh, well, that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, astrology is funny that way. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, now I'm, now I'm learning enough to be, uh, to be a little dangerous, you know, to be like, what? What am I going to do with that? <laughs> I know. Astrology, that's the way astrology is for me. And then the Enneagram, which I'm super oh, into yeah. now, but resisted for a long time, you know, both astrology and the Enneagram, it's like, I don't want any more lenses to look through. I don't need yeah. to know anything else. Yeah, and then yeah. like anytime anybody tells me anything about, you know, this is your birth chart and this is the way you are. It's like, you don't know me. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can't tell me that. <laughs> but it's always so spot it's, on. I know it, right? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, so here we are. How will you be bringing in the equinox? And you know, like, what, what, is, what do the days ahead look like? I will be on a mountain with a bunch of witches <laughs> for the right launch on. retreat for the book. So I'll be in the Pocono Mountains, very close to the cabin where I was basically raised by my grandmother. So it's so perfect and appropriate. And I'm trying not to think about it too much because if I'm crying, I'm not 
adequately preparing (laughs) right (laughs) but that is where i'll be i'll be in this this amazing place where like the streams converge and yeah the snow will be melting so it's very exciting pure magic yes it'll be at the height of my equinox magic (laughs) yeah yeah, all weekend that's so cool good for you yeah thank you oh my gosh i just feel like you and i could just flow through conversation today just about, any, <laughs> about anything but um as time does fly um, mm-hmm. before we move on with with our lives today uh, what's coming up for you what do you feel like you might want to share with uh, those who are listening into the podcast right now and who are mm. maybe seeking maybe maybe this might be their first dipping of their toe into you know what is what is this all about this this being a hag, this witchcraft thing, um, and then yeah. maybe switch gears and uh, and talk to the the women who are already in circle with you. My go-to advice for those who are in a place of seeking and uh, the you know the witch curious, <laughs> what I usually say is to if you're looking for a place to begin, look at. Uh, what I call your your bava moments, your moments of feeling mind when throughout childhood and then on through all of the life phases, when you really felt that you were the most you you could possibly be. So these are these fleeting moments in time, like watching the sunrise or dancing or painting or making mud pies or something like that, where, you know, and speaking about the small stories, they weren't particularly objectively epic moments. If anybody were watching them from the outside, it would look like, you know, a a person staring at the sunrise or something like that. But to you, the experience of them was just pure presence and being in this universal cosmic flow. So when you look at those moments and you begin to track them, patterns tend to emerge and you can see that you feel very uh, strongly akin to maybe the earth element or maybe water, you know, swimming in the ocean or um, maybe, you know, feeling the breeze on your face or looking at the stars or something like that. So when you track the, the patterns in your baba, you can see what elements are kind of yours, what, 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 what elements have been with you the entire time kind of following yeah. you like, like, look, here I am. Um, And that's where you can begin with your witchcraft is with the elements. And then the next step would be weaving in your ancestral magic. And uh, that's kind of where the small stories come in Mm -hmm. because, you know, we're in this place of, uh, um, you know, everyone wants to belong and uh, our lineages have been seemingly severed. And so, you know, trying to track uh, what is the medicine of the the cultures that run in your blood and the lands that run in your blood? Because there is deep, rich medicine there. Um, so, mm-hmm. so that would be my direction for the the those who are seeking, okay. um, and those that have been, you know, in 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 the coven (laughs) for years and years. I think that one of the best things we can do right now is be, you know, in this, this political and environmental turmoil is to honor the smaller stories and tell the smaller stories, the ones that maybe aren't necessarily of like the great wounding or, or something like that, but the ones that are, that also seem less, 
profound and, and more mundane and of the everyday because those are important too. And those probably are the stories that you know, the grandmothers tell, right? The, the smaller stories because there's magic in those moments also. Oh yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah. I'm looking at the cover of your book right now. And I also love the, the wild dreamers epic journey of becoming. I mean, could that yeah. be any more? <laughs> it's just so, it's so fun. It's like, what? I yeah. want to be on that epic journey of becoming. What's going on here? Yeah, oh, I know. Man. That title was, it wasn't always dreamer. We went through so many incarnations of just that one word. What should that one word be? Yeah. And then arrived at dreamer and was like, that's perfect. That's what oh, it, it is. <laughs> it is. And that you're sharing your epic journey of becoming while teaching, while going to the mountain, while being... Mm-hmm in this space. I just uh, deep bow to you and, and all that you're bringing forward and, and the way that you continue to show up. Thank you so much. Deep bow to you also. Oh, thank this you. This is Danielle. the work. This is the work. Yeah. So tell us where everyone listening in can order Season of Moon and Flame, the Wild Dreamer's epic journey of becoming. It is on Amazon, of course. It's also Barnes and Noble and IndieBound if you want to support independent bookstores. And it could be in your local bookshop. It's everywhere. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. Everywhere books are sold. Yeah, it's in all the places. (laughs) Visit DanielleDulski.com and learn more about Danielle, about the new book, about the Hag School. Is there anything that you want to share about the Hag School, Danielle? Just that we we have a lot of exciting offerings that are online and in person. So that's something that I'm trying to do more in my work these days is offer more things online. So we do have an online coven for those that aren't able to travel and come see me wherever I might be. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, you know, that yeah. you can touch even more people and Right. And who knows, that virtual connection could lead to an in-person connection as they often do. They do, yes. Yeah. All right. Is there anything from the book that you want to share before we part ways today? Oh, just that I, I hope everyone enjoys reading it. I hope that it makes them, you know, consider their own hags of their lineages and uh and honor their own stories is important oh right on yeah that was danielle dalski order your copy of seasons of moon and flame at danieldalski.com or wherever books are sold <laughs>